because my internal world is well, my external world is well as well, right? Um, And I can make decisions for myself, set boundaries for myself to keep that world well. Um, Before Molly and I started recording, I was honest with her that I'm, I've been sick this week and I have, I've had pneumonia. And so I'm, I'm tired and I'm, you know, and I was like, can we not dwell on my story? And, and I need to set those boundaries for myself. Right. And those are things I know about myself today that I can ask for and, um, and fight for, for my own sanity and health and well being. Yeah. And so I think that, that having this super rad life today has been this culmination of just learning more and more to care for my spirit mm-hmm. and learning more and more to surrender to and, and, and to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I sit down with somebody who is a CEO, a nonprofit director, community leader, or just an awesome person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their life, but with their career as well. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you, yes, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Holly Christine Hayes. Holly is the CEO and founder of Sanctuary Project, a jewelry nonprofit that employs women survivors of trafficking, violence, and addiction in Austin, Texas. Holly is a survivor herself, and when she hit rock bottom, she found herself homeless and crying on the floor of a public bathroom. And now today, she is the founder and CEO of a company helping other women break out of the dark cycle. Sanctuary Project is a survivor-run nonprofit jewelry enterprise, and they provide meaningful employment and job training to these incredible women who have experienced so much. I loved this conversation with Holly. She and I just immediately clicked. Not only does she live on a farm and have a million chickens like I do, we just had so much in common and her passion and vision for helping women who are coming out of trafficking and addiction and so many things uh, is just really incredibly inspiring. We talk about it all. We talk about business and how she grew her business in the midst of a pandemic. We talk about the importance of looking at somebody's story after the fact and what their life looks like after they have gone through trauma or exploitation or something really hard. We get to the nitty gritty of it. You are going to love this episode. But before I get to my conversation with Holly, I want to thank one of our partners of the show, and that is Demain. In French, Demain means two hands. Why two hands? Because everything this incredible brand creates is made by trained artisans who use their two hands to make their life better while crafting beautiful products. This is a company that has set out to change lives and make a positive impact in the world. It all started when the founder, Julie, wanted to create dignified jobs in Haiti, a place she was growing to love and that was exploding with creativity. And she wanted to share this talent with the world. Julie set up an educational program to train people with artisan skills and went on to build a factory that operates on 100% solar energy. Dumet now employs more than 40 artisans that handcraft premium leather goods, jewelry, and sandals. Their lives are forever changed by their craft. And what's also cool is they incorporate this eco-friendly twist, working with responsibly sourced materials and repurposed inner tube and tires in their designs. It's incredible. When you buy from Demat, you get to be a part of a movement that is making a difference in the world while adding an incredibly well-made piece to your closet that supports conscious living. You can discover their products online at Demat.com. That's D-E-U-X-M-A-I-N-S.com. You can use the coupon code MOLLY and that will get you 15% off. Now on to my conversation with Holly Hayes. Holly! I already feel a connection to you because our names rhyme and I get, called I know our names rhyme and we're both chicken moms and we're chicken moms. And I get called Molly or I get ho- called Holly all the time. Like I'll be and like, I get called Molly all the time. Look, or Polly. Who's named Polly? Polly? Why do we get called Polly? Thank I'll you. I'll say Holly and they're like, hi, Polly. And hi, I'm like, Polly. Polly, have you ever met a Polly? No, nope. that's not even a thing. I don't even know one Polly. I don't know. Me what, neither. Oh, actually, no, that's really funny. Polly Connor is going to laugh at me. Actually, I had a guest on the show named Polly. <laughs> We, we love you, Polly. I know Sorry. one Polly. 
I know one Polly, but that's it. Sorry, sorry, uh, Polly. We love you. We love po- your name, Polly. I actually, you should write in or shoot me a message on Instagram. Do you ever get called Holly or Molly? Um, like, is it just a thing where people that their names yeah. end in Ollie that they? If just... you're an Ollie, write into us and tell us what you get called. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, well, Holly, I'm so excited to have you. Um, because clearly, golly, so am I. Golly, I'm so excited to be. Golly, Holly, I'm so excited <laughs> to have you. Um, because you know, not only are are do our names rhyme, but also it, we love farm animals. We live on farms. And it's just when you meet somebody who also knows like the joys and the heartaches of like poultry ownership, it, it's just like there's it's kindred spirits. It is. It's true. We were before we even started recording talking about the, the fears of hawks <laughs> and the stupidity of guinea fowl just, and all kinds of things that you guys would have been incredibly bored by. But we came alive. We really. did. We really did. We really did. So um, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. It's a whole other podcast. I really think we should just I need to start a like farm podcast, like a chicken mom podcast. Talk I'm about so it. all there for the it. things. Um, so but clearly uh, you are just somebody who I immediately uh, click with. And I know that the uh, listeners are going to love you. So let's do what all my guests do. And let's give us the Holly 101. So tell us who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today. Yes. So I am founder and CEO of Sanctuary Project. We're a survivor-run nonprofit social enterprise that employs women coming out of trafficking, violence, and addiction. I'm a survivor myself. I came out of that life 20 years ago. So I, I know that path to recovery is rocky and long. And I just love walking alongside other women who are coming out. I'm married five years to my husband, Jeff. I have a two-year-old, a little toddler named Havana, and then I'm a farm mom. So I have, uh, I have 24 chickens, three dogs, three cows, and 10 goats right now. And we live on a little hobby farm and vineyard outside of Austin, Texas. Oh my goodness. Living the dream, living the dream. Well, it's I love, true. um, you know, how you, you know, we were talking a little bit before you record, we were recording. Um, and this is something I really want to talk about is how happy and, and joy filled and joyful, uh, your life is today. And, you know, obviously we know that you've shared your story in other avenues and, um, you know, kind of coming out of being a trafficking survivor yourself. And, you know, for my listeners, they know that this is a topic that I'm extremely passionate about and have talked about. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like ad nauseum on the show of, of, of how important this, this issue is. But for you to uh, really spend your days focusing on the redemption. Um, and yeah. so I'd love for you to kind of talk about that. What does life look like for you? And, and what is it that just fuels you each each and every day. Well, I love that you said that because, you know, I think as a trafficking survivor, I tell my story a lot. Right. And so, um, there's a lot of focus on really what was essentially just several months of my life. Cause I was only trafficked for a few months and then I ended up failing at it. My trafficker kicked me out, you know, and I, and I hit rock bottom and then ended up getting rescued out of that life. And so this was a very short part of my life. Right. But then I've had this whole rich life since. And I think sometimes people want to put survivors in a box of like, you know, it wanting to look a certain way. Okay, you're a survivor of trafficking, so that's who you are. But, um, but what I love about the work I get to do today is that really nothing about our work has anything to do with our, our pasts. Right. Um, we make jewelry. We have a jewelry line. And I get, to, I get to sit in community with other survivors and other women who are just in the process of rebuilding their lives and have beautiful character and have stories that, that, you know, that have nothing to do with their um, having survived trafficking. And we get to grow together and learn from each other. And I think the, the greatest joy in my life is really mentoring other women. And you know, two of our, our survivors bought, uh, bought their first homes last year. And even just like walking through those kinds of things where it's like, I want survivors, I want women to feel so empowered that they are not their past. Mm. They are not their, they're not their story. There is an endless world of opportunity out there for, for women who have come out of, of this life. And I want them to be able to rebuild their lives and rebuild their resumes and do something that makes them feel good about themselves. My first job when I was coming out of that life and, and into recovery was I worked for a shoe shine stand and all day long, I would get to these dirty shoes would come in and I would get to like shine them up and make them beautiful. And all day long, I was getting this message. I'm someone who makes beautiful things. I'm someone who makes beautiful mm. things. I'm someone who makes beautiful things. And what that did in, in my sense of identity and self-worth was it completely transformed who I thought I was from I'm someone whose on, my only value is my sexuality or my only value is what I will do for a man to I'm someone who can make things beautiful. Mm. I'm someone who can make things beautiful. 
And so I, I want that same message to infiltrate everything we do at Sanctuary Project. All day long, they're making beautiful jewelry. And so all day long, they're surrounded by beautiful things. And all day long, they're making beautiful things. And I get to watch that completely transform how women see themselves. Mm, that's so good. And you know, you brought up something that I don't think in as many interviews as I've done, I don't think I've ever talked about this, um, but it's something that I have like really strong feelings on. So let's touch on it for a second, if you're okay with it. And if you're not, you just tell me, we'll just, I'll just send it on, just send it on back. Um, <laughs> but I love that you talked about how, you know, you're a survivor run organization and business and these incredible women sit around all day looking at beautiful things and they're making beautiful things and they're living these, um, you know, stories, these new stories out They're writing new stories. And I think that a lot of people, and I probably have done this in my life. And I think the media does this poorly. I think other podcasters do this poorly. I think uh, we've all screwed this up, but I think sometimes we, what is the word I'm looking for? We like, obsess over and dramatize people's broken stories. And yeah. we're like, please sit and tell us the nitty gritty, really gory, gruesome details because, and I think like true crime podcasts and all those kinds yeah. of things have kind of glorified that glorified. That's the word I was looking for is like, we've glorified these really difficult stories. And we just want to focus on that when like the survivors themselves are not sitting around being like, Hey, let's talk about our really just <laughs> right. gruesome stories all the day. The worst, most gruesome moments of our lives. And you know, the other thing that's really interesting is that sometimes what society says is the most gruesome part of our stories. That wasn't actually the worst thing that ever happened mm -hmm. to me. I mean, I've been through some really tough stuff in my life and there were some nights I spent in jail that were far worse than my trafficking. And, I, and no one wants to hear that. Mm. Right. Um, but I think when we, when we fixate on a certain issue, like, okay, trafficking, this is horrible. Yes, it is. But I think what we have to remember is that trafficking is a symptom of a bigger broken issue in our society. Mm. And so my struggles coming out of that were more about getting treatment for my addiction, getting healing from my sexual abuse trauma from my childhood, working through my um, my criminal record and the, the, and the poor decisions I'd made and the decisions that have been made for me, and actually just trying to become a, a respectable member of society. So yes, I was trafficked, but that's not that is not the entirety of my story or who I am. Right. Right. And that's the case with every single woman we work with. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, I have a good friend who works for a 21 and says that one of their biggest red flags is if someone comes in and says, I need help. I was trafficked. They actually see that as a big red flag because most trafficking survivors, first of all, will not even identify as a trafficking yep. survivor. hundred percent, hundred percent. Biggest myth. And secondly, yeah. And secondly, it's not going to be the biggest problem in their life. Yep. The biggest problem in my life was that I knew I was in a violent relationship and I knew that I was an addict and I needed help for those things. And I needed a safe place to go and I needed to get out of that situation. But I would not have identified as a trafficking survivor or yep. trafficking victim. And so, yeah, I mean, most of the work we do in rebuilding lives really has nothing to do with this woman having been trafficked, right? 100%. It actually has to do with just reshaping and reforming her identity, her sense of self-worth, her sense of value, um, her connection to work in general, right? Because it's been so perverted by this exploitation. And so just creating a healthy work environment, um, you know, creating a healthy relationship with an authority figure with me as their boss because those have gotten all out yep. of whack when, you, when you've lived kind of a criminal life or when you've been exploited. So it's interesting. And I think it isn't something we talk about enough when it comes to trafficking. We, we do sort of fixate on the, the stories and the, and the horrific, the pornography of pain, right? Yes. Um, and just that, um, that fear narrative and, and how horrific it is. And, and it doesn't minimize how horrific it is to tell a more holistic story yep. and to give a fuller picture of, of women who are coming out of this. Thank you. Oh my gosh. You were preaching there for a minute, Holly. Um, yes, that is, uh, there's so much, the pornography of pain, uh, is yeah, it's, it is a real thing. And thank you, by the way, for also bringing up that point is the majority of trafficking victims will never self-identify as a trafficking right. victim. And that's such a, such a, a huge myth. But yeah, you're right. And I think on the other side of it is like, it is to me a much more powerful story to sit and hear somebody just 
talk about what their life looks like now and how I love before we were recording you used the term like I live a super rad life and I'm like yes <laughs> I love it I love it talk about your life being rad um, let's talk about what is amazing and how we got to that point rather than focusing on all this crap that we've been through I mean that's kind of and you know just in my own life that's something that I uh, I spend my days really wanting to do is like, I just want to tell people like what life looks like for me now and how the person who I was, you know, 12 years ago, I don't even recognize that person. Right. And I don't want to talk about who I was at that point, but I can just tell you that I know what it's like to be basically the complete opposite of what I am right now. <laughs> right. Like, let's talk about how beautiful freedom in Christ is and freedom, mm. like when you just surrender all of it and what that life looks like. And I feel like, you know, especially in uh, faith circles and things like that, we can glorify and just like uh, idealize this, like, what does, what does freedom in Christ look like? And it can seem very like ethereal and like out, out there and unreachable, you know, but like, like, Jesus says in John 16, 33, like I've overcome the world. Like in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have hard things. And like, he promises it. He promises it. So even now today, when I face hard things, when you face hard things, it's still hard, but we know the, the, the long view. Like we have the long view. Anyway, I went on a little bit of a tangent there and I'm real sorry, uh, but it was just one of those things that I just really want to uh, kind of highlight. You know, the first thing I think it's important for people to understand is that this rad life I have today did not come overnight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk about that freedom in Christ and it's like, yes, I have that today. And I fought hard for it. Yes. It was hard won, right? Um, it did not come overnight. I think the stories that the church likes to tell are, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And it takes out that whole middle part of like, well, what did it look like to go from lost to found? What did it look like to go from blind to seeing? And, you know, and I think about like even one of the stories in scripture of going from blind to seeing involved like Jesus spitting in the dirt and mixing it up and wiping yep. dirt on the person's face. Right. And like, that's how messy yep. that process for me was of going from lost to found and blind to sight. And so I think, you know, for anyone listening, if you're in that, that journey right now, that season of, of walking from, from darkness into light or from blind into sight to just be patient with yourself, because I'm 20 years out, right? I'm 20 years into this new life. And, and that journey was fraught with, with failures and, um, and successes and yeah. ups and downs and failed relationships, countless failed relationships. And, and failed careers. And, you know, and I think, I think it's important for us to have all of those life experiences because when I, when I found the right relationship, mm -hmm. I was like, yes, this finally, when I found the right path career-wise, I was like, yes, this knits together everything. All those things that I've been doing all those years have all come together into this, this one purpose and this one thing. And so I think, you know, a lot of it has just been so hard won. And then when I think about it psychologically and emotionally, even, you know, that taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ over a long lifetime is what's won that, um, that freedom in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so important to talk about because I think first I had to experience freedom in my mind. And I had to, I had to experience that identity shift from I'm a failed prostitute basically to I'm a beloved daughter of Christ mm. and I have infinite worth and value. And as soon as that identity shift started to happen, the mind shift could start to happen. And when I would tell myself or hear messages that didn't agree with that, I had to take them captive and make them obedient to Christ. Mm. And, you know, and today when those thoughts fly in, I don't believe them anymore. I truly don't. Mm. Um, and so I think that's important for people to understand too, is that this is an internal battle for freedom. And then it starts to overflow into the external because my internal world is well, my external world is well as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and I can make decisions for myself, set boundaries for myself to keep that world. Well, mm. um, before Molly and I started recording, I was honest with her that I'm, I've been sick this week and I have, I've had pneumonia. And so I'm, I'm tired and I'm, you know, and I was like, can we not dwell on my story? And, and I need to set those boundaries for myself. Right. And those are things I know about myself today 
that I can ask for and um, and and fight for for my own sanity and health and well being. Yeah. And so I think that that having this super rad life today has been this culmination of just learning more and more to care for my spirit mm-hmm. and learning more and more to surrender to and 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 to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Mm. I'm so glad that you brought that up, um, especially that particular scripture in general, because I think this is something that we need to talk about more is, is the impact of the mind um, in all of this and how our brains are wired and how we view ourselves and how it takes time and work to literally wire our brains to in a certain way about the, you know, how we view ourselves in the world, how we view ourselves in relationship with others, how we view ourselves as a child of God and all these things. Like it takes work. And um, actually a a couple months ago, our church did a sermon series on mindset and the focus verse was, was the, you know, taking captive every thought, um, making them obedient to Christ. And we're actually, they, I love that our pastor kind of did this where he was talking about, you know, the obviously the biblical focus of how in the Bible we can see over and over again how much we God gives us free will and and but we have to to really focus and be intentional on what we're thinking about and what we're putting our mind towards. But then he also talked about the actual science. Like there's the research that our brain has these neural pathways. And when you are continuing to have the same thoughts over and over again, you're just digging in a deeper neural pathway. But how there's research on when you begin to work to build a different neural pathway, change your thinking, change the way that you view things, um, how that takes work. But it it is, it's a thing. It's a thing. And it's a scientific thing and a spiritual scientific thing. and spiritual thing. And it just makes me like so in awe of God and his creation and his just attention to detail. But uh, as you were saying that, it just made me think of that because that is so much of what you do at Sanctuary Project is you are intentionally and sometimes like unintentionally helping women create new neural pathways and change the way that they view themselves and and their thinking and all of that. So can you talk about that a little bit about, because I know that is so much of your heart is in that is helping women rebuild their, their lives in so many ways, like yes, externally where they're changing, you know, their resumes and they're getting new skills and, and relationships and all these kinds of things. But so much of that work is internal. Absolutely. And really it's a therapeutic community in a lot of ways because I'm coming out of so many years of like great therapeutic community, um, both in the 12 step recovery community, which has so many incredible therapeutic tools, but also, um, uh, through, I've, you know, been through healing with EMDR and behavior modification therapy and all kinds of, I have therapeutic tools, right? right? Um, and, and, and we have biblical tools. I mean, the thing that's so great about God asks us to do this, but he also gives us tools to do it. And so he doesn't just say, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. He tells us what thoughts are obedient to Christ. And he gives us sort of opposite thoughts to the thoughts that I'm someone who has no value. No scripture says I'm adopted by, by God. I am, I am a beloved child. I'm, I'm worthless. Nope. You are more precious than rubies. And so whatever that, that lie is, we're believing there is a therapeutic tool and a scripture essentially that can combat it. And so what's nice about working in community with each other is that all day long, we're in conversation all day long, we're around each other. And so those thoughts that people have are going to come out of their mouths and we're going to have conversations about them. And so if we have, and most of our girls are pretty self-defeating They're, you know, like they, there's a lot of self-hatred when you're coming out of a really rough life. And if you've made choices that have kind of put you on the outcast or, you know, the outskirts of society. And if you've been in situations that have further isolated you from society, there's a lot of damage that happens to the self-esteem. And so most of our girls come in with a sort of low sense of self-worth and value. And as they start to verbalize those messages, we're quickly able to rebuke them essentially and say, nope, that's not true about you. How dare you say that about my friend? You're brilliant. Look at how hardworking you are. You know, look at, look at what you've done. Look at your life. Like, I'm so proud of you. And so even just in that daily encouragement and being around a group of people who've committed to encouraging one another, 
we're constantly lifting each other up. Mm. And there's this constant rewiring of neural pathways that's happening as all day long, they're making beautiful things like we talked about, right? So all day long, they're like, I'm someone who makes beautiful things. I go to work and I make beautiful things. I sell beautiful things. I package beautiful things. I ship beautiful things. We talk about beautiful things. We get beautiful, big deals with big companies like Target or FabFitFun. And I'm someone who has this wonderful job in this beautiful environment. But then beyond that, we're having these beautiful conversations. And when someone comes in and starts talking in self-defeating ways or starts, um, you know, like bad-mouthing themselves, basically, they have this group of women who's like, how dare you say that about my friend? You are beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have got this girl. Look at how far you've come. I'm so proud of you. And so this community itself is actually lifting the women up. And and on any given day, it could be any of us. I mean, there are days when I have a bad day and they're lifting me up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are days when when our, our newest girl will have a bad day and the other girls, and you know, maybe a girl who's three years out will have a bad day. And the girl who's brand new is lifting her up and saying, I want to be just like you someday. So I think that's what's so special about it is that it is this community of women who understand and are committed to loving each other well. Mm. Man, that's so beautiful. Well, that kind of leads me actually backwards a little bit um, because I want to know, like, what was it in your own kind of journey? And, and you know, obviously like, you're, out, you're 20 years out, but what at what point did you say, you know what? I think I want to start a nonprofit. I think I want to start a business. Like, where did the idea and sort of the, the birth of Sanctuary Project come from? It's really, um, it's been so culminative. I started my career in as a shoe shiner. <laughs> we know that. Um, but I then I started working in real estate. And while I was working in real estate, I was living in New York City and um, and really had dreams of working in fashion. And so I started working for a clothing boutique when I was like in my early, early 20s. I think I was 22 or something. By the way, real side, quick side note, hilarious that you worked in real estate. Like, were you a realtor or? I've worked in real estate kind of in all different capacities over the years. So I'm still a real estate investor. Um, but I, uh, property management, um, selling, yes, leasing. That's so funny because um, there's a there's a Holly Hayes near me who is a realtor. <laughs> so I just think that's, that's so funny. Very funny. Anyway, well, sorry, but yeah, no, I worked I worked in real estate over the years and and really um, in all different capacities. Yeah. And and still, I'm a real estate investor today, and I own several rental properties. And um and that's I, I love it. It's it's still a passion of mine. It's my hobby. Um, I one day might quit it all and just go sell real estate. We'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But but what I what I found over the years was I was, um, so I, I worked in fashion, right. In yeah. that, in my early twenties and got really burned out. Cause I was in New York city and it was like, I'm never going to get anywhere in this. And I kind of just let that dream die. And then over the years I started working in ministry and vocational ministry. And, um, and I loved it. I worked as a worship leader for a lot of years and, um, and I did, I did really enjoy that work. I enjoyed working in the church and I love, I love the church. It's the bride of Christ, but I also burned out on that. You know, it's, it's exhausting working in ministry and, um, and it's tough to see behind the curtain so much. It, it kind of, it can take away the joy of just being a worshiper sometimes when you're, when it becomes your work. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, um, and then I'd volunteered in the anti-trafficking community. I'd, I'd um, spent time abroad volunteering with anti-trafficking organizations, locally volunteering with anti-trafficking organizations, being a mentor, being a learner. And so all of a sudden, when I when I got married, I, I and I was trying to figure out, I was living in Paris, France, working as a worship leader there, um, and then uh, married my husband and, and ended up moving back to the States, back to Austin, Texas, and had this opportunity for a reset. And went to find an anti-trafficking organization to volunteer with in Austin, and and I couldn't find one that was doing restoration for survivors. And so um, at that point, the Lord really uh, started speaking to me and reminding me of of all the dreams I've had over the years and and how they could all come together into one thing. And one of the frustrations I'd always had with um, with sort of the the compassion jewelry world, the, you know, like these, these pieces are yep. made by survivors was that it wasn't cute. It wasn't yes. what I was Yeah. That's the, the <laughs> struggle. So, yeah. So I would like buy these earrings that were like these beaded things. And I'd be like, Oh, survivors made them. Yay. But then I would never wear them because it just wasn't my style. And so I'd always kind of had this dream of helping compassion brands make on trend jewelry. But when I, when I moved back to the States and really started um, looking into what I could do in the anti-trafficking world, I realized that there was this hole and um, that there was no one doing that here in America, in Austin, Texas, working with survivors here in America, making on-trend jewelry that women would buy and wear and love and gift and 
um, and that I could feel wonderful wearing and, um, and making. And so, yeah, Sanctuary Project was birthed kind of in that season. And, um, and I started it very quickly and very, very lean, um, built my own little website on Wix and found one girl from the jail to like help me make jewelry and learn how to make jewelry (laughs) on YouTube and really have bootstrapped everything from the beginning. Oh, that's amazing. I, I am always just the kind of person who I love people who see a problem, see something, and they say like, oh, I wish there was a and insert whatever it is there. And then they do it. And yeah. then they do it. And that because the amount of people that I have heard from over the year, that's just like, oh, you know, because I obviously one of my big passions is I talk a lot about fair trade and ethical fashion and all these kinds of things. Um, and I, t- I talk about these things. And so often I hear like, oh, but isn't fair trade just like a bunch of people like in macrame vests in a sunflower field singing Kumbaya? And I'm just like, right. No, no. But but that, it has that sort of you know reputation stereo- because a lot of it is it, it the stereotype exists for a reason. Let's just yeah. be honest. Let's just we're gonna call a spade a spade. The spirit the stereotype is there for a reason. Um, and so you know one of the things that I've tried to talk about over the years is like let's break that and like talk about yeah. no no no. Here are these companies that are just amazing and are doing incredible things that are on trend and fashion forward and you know just timeless. All these sorts of things. But anyway, all of that to say is. Your jewelry is beautiful. It really is. It's thank you. It's stunning. It's the kind of stuff that you're going to wear. You're going to be out and about and you're going to get stopped. And people are going to be like, I love your earrings. I love your necklace. I love your ring. Like, where's that from? And that's to me, that is so important, especially in this in this community is we don't want to create pity purchases. Right. Pity purchases do not empower anyone. And so when you create a product that speaks for itself, that sells itself, is beautiful in and of itself, and then you have the mission behind it and the the story behind it that just is the, the cherry on top, the cherry on top. It's so, so, so important. So I'd love for you to kind of share, like, as you have built this incredible brand over the last few years, and um, when, when did you guys get started? I can't remember. February of 2018. So That's yeah, it's right. been about three and a half yeah, years. Yeah, I was like, I was gonna say, like, it's last few years. Um, you know, as you have grown, what have been some of the things that like maybe you've kind of come up against that you've had to push through um to to get to the other side of? Do you know what I mean? Like those just those yeah. obstacles that you've reached that you've come to in business. You know, it's interesting. I I would never have expected we would be where we are today. Um, I did not expect it to be as successful as it is. And so a lot of the obstacle I've had to push up against, and um, and this is not complaining because I think it's a good problem to have, is that I found there was a much larger market for this than I ever imagined. And so from day one, I've had to throttle growth. We've yet to do any marketing. We've yet to like spend any money on marketing wow. or um, or like hire a salesperson because I literally can't even handle the volume we already have from all wow. the doors that have just like swung wide open that God just made possible. Yeah. And so it's an interesting problem to have, right? Because yep. it's like, okay, yes, like I realize I'm complaining about something that like many business owners would be so blessed by, but I've had to steward and steer this ship. Mm. And you know, and when I um, when I think about like you know the how. Jesus says, cast your net to the right. And then like he, and then he, you know, fills the boat with fish and then like the boat starts sinking. Yeah. That's how a lot of this has felt for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think the biggest challenge for me has actually been accepting help and, and, um, being willing to like, let go of control and hire people and, and get expert advice and, and, you know, so much of me wants to like work independently and be like, I just want this to be this little thing. And like, I keep telling my family this, I'm like, I just, how can I make it smaller? Can I make it smaller? Can we just, be, can we grow smaller? But that's not what God's doing. Yeah. And so to, you know, I feel a bit like I'm being pulled behind a tugboat sometimes because, or a, a speedboat, right? Because I'm, I'm just trying to keep up with, with really rapid growth. You're, and, you're um, on the tugboat. <laughs> the speedboat yeah. is pulling I'm you. I'm on a tugboat on and there's the a speedboat pulling me and it's God. And I'm like, all right, I'm here. Okay. I'll do it. Yes. Yes. To that 900,000 piece order. Yes. To that target deal. Yes. Sure. I'll make it happen. And so it's, um, it's an interesting um, problem to have as an entrepreneur because I wasn't prepared for it. Right. Mm -hmm. I, 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 (laughs) I dropped out of high school. I have a musical theater degree. I have a college musical theater degree. 
I, you know, I mean, I was a failed prostitute for goodness sake. Like why, why on earth did God give me this to steward? So I've had to learn quickly. I've had to grow quickly. I've had to get great help around me, incredibly smart people around me. And all of that's hard to do when you're also like, you know, kind of trying to steer the ship, you know, and then I added to the misery by having a toddler in the midst of it too. So <laughs> having a baby, you know, like two years ago. And yeah, so, you know, you birth yeah, a business, birth a child. It's a, you know, this is awesome. casual, casual, right? it's fine. So yeah, I mean it's it's been an interesting challenge. Um it's it's one that I didn't expect. I expected to have to push through like discouragement or to have to push through, you know, like slow sales in the beginning or something. I did not have to I didn't expect to have to push through rapid growth that um that I'm constantly trying to throttle while we keep everything healthy internally. Mm, mm, man, that's a really great just I I love your perspective on that and um and how so much of your growth has I think can easily just be attributed to your obedience. Um, and uh, by the way, also, okay, other than the fact that we are chicken owners, when I went to college, I started out a musical theater major. Um, no wonder we're soulmates. And I also, I'm on the worship team at my church. So um, we're like, oh, we really are just like, you know, very, we're like, like the same person. We Holly basically Molly. are. So Holly we're and Molly. Um, anyway, I didn't graduate with a musical theater degree. I changed to English. Long story. But I did start out as a musical theater major. I love um, it. Anyway, so real quick, uh, Target deal. Um, yeah. Do tell, do tell details. Yeah. So, I mean, so this was, this was kind of the, the, um, this is the perfect example of God just opening a door that no man can open. Right. I mean, you can't knock on Target's door and be no. like, hi, I have a social enterprise brand that employs and empowers survivors of trafficking, violence, and addiction. Can you carry us in your store? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not something you can do. Right. Um, it was an incredible door that got opened and um, they had reached out to a, a company called Nest that we partner with in New York, just asking if they could meet with a few makers in Austin to find out why makers couldn't scale their businesses. And so um, the president of sourcing of owned brands for Target and the VP of ethical sourcing came in from Thailand and from um, Minnesota. And, uh, and they, they visited five businesses in Austin just really to understand the maker community in Austin. And we were selected as one of them. And, uh, and they came to, to see us and they learned a little bit about our business plan and how I had built it and how I'd built it to scale, actually. And they were just so excited and impressed that they partnered us with their Target Plus team and brought us into their online marketplace as the first jewelry brand that was not a Target-owned brand on, their, um, on Target.com. And so, I mean, it like it was they would they did not come there looking to acquire anyone or to, you know, bring anyone into their stores, but they were just so impressed with what they felt in our environment. And, you know, the um, the team that came were, you know, they were decision makers, they were yeah. bosses. So they were able to just say, make this happen to the team underneath them. And it was so cool because I know, you know, as a as a Christ follower, like I know what they felt when they walked into our space. They felt the Holy Spirit. They were like, it just feels so good in here. And I was like, yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah, we prayed up in here because it's all full of prayers and it's all full of the spirit of God. And it is full of his mercy and his redemption and his power. Mm -hmm. And they felt it. And they thought they were just seeing pretty jewelry and meeting, you know, women who'd been through so much, but they felt something different. And, and I think, you know, I look at even how God revealed how I should run the business and the business planning aspect of it. And all of it had his hand on it so that big doors like that could open for us. And, and now to see how that has blessed us and how it's, how it's enabled us to employ even more women and how it provides just consistent income all day long. We have orders coming in from Target, which is wonderful, right? We don't have to stress. We don't have to worry. We don't have to hustle. I don't have to spend money on marketing, which is wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, and all of it is, has just been something that God has done for us that no one could have done for themselves. And the best part of all of it was the timing. They came to visit us in February of 2020. So literally like <laughs> a month before the world ended, right? And then I'm sorry, that is amazing. Know, it was crazy. I mean, little did we know that like the very next month we were going to lose all our revenue because everything had come from pop-up shops and fundraisers. And so we lost all our revenue literally that next month, but then the target deal closed two months later and we were more than fine. Right. And so uh, I just love, I love the stories that are coming out of this, of God's faithfulness and just how much he looks out for the things he calls us to, because it's really not even my business. Like he asked me to do this. And I remind him of that all the time. I'm like, dude, this was your idea. Yep. You love them more than I do. You love these ladies more than I do. You make sure they get paid. You make sure they stay employed. You grow it because this was never my idea. 
this was always yours. And, and it's such a nice way to, to live as a business owner because I'm not stressed about it. It's not on my shoulders. It's on his. Mm. And if it doesn't work, it's his failure, not mine. And, <laughs> but it, and but guess it works what? when it's him. We know his track record and he, I know, don't, right? he, don't, fail, he so. don't fail. He don't fail. Gosh. Holly, that I love that so much. I love that so much. Won't he do it? Won't yep. he do it? I mean, the fact that that closed or that you had that meeting in February of 2020 is just amazing. And it's that's incredible. I mean, and, and to know also just to have seen how your business has grown in the last year when there were, I mean, it's been heartbreaking to watch, but so many businesses have shut their doors because of the yeah. pandemic. And yet here you are walking in obedience and God's faithfulness. And this is not to say, and I I, I do want to say this very clearly, is that if if you are a business owner or somebody who was laid off or or you're you're you had to shut close your doors during the pandemic, this is not me saying that you didn't walk in obedience to God's faithfulness. Yeah, thank you for saying I that. I really want to say that Mommy. because yes. I think that that's the, uh, that is a prosperity gospel that is so dangerous yep. and I don't ever want to say that. So, um yeah. that is not what I am saying here because and and this is just what I do believe in that if you are that person and that you are listening and you have experienced that you've had to close your business, you've had to, you know, lay lay people off or you yourself were laid off. I've I, I my business took a an enormous hit in 2020. Enormous yeah. hit. I mean, my revenue was like basically like cut in like three quarters. I mean, it was just like three quarters and that's of my revenue. The was common just- story. Yeah. Right. So um, but God provided in so many other ways. So my encouragement to the people listening um who have experienced that is to look for the ways that God is providing, even when it seems like things are the darkest, because Thank that yes. has been so much like my husband and I have had that conversation. Like we we moved to the farm in the spring of, of 2021. And we bought this farm in a time where it just did not like how we're, how we were able to do this makes no logical sense as to how God blessed us and provided in so many tangible and intangible ways over the last year. When things were like me on my business, like my husband, I mean, my husband is a financial advisor in March of 2020. We were like, uh, Oh, <laughs> but the, he had his best business year ever. And, it, mm. and when so many other people in the industry, the financial industry did not, and my business took a huge hit, but it didn't affect us as much because my husband's business was doing well when it didn't make sense. It didn't like make logical sense. And so we, this is the thing that was just, we talk about how like God provided in all these other ways of just relationships and connections and all these, yeah. these things. Being and able so, to be present with your kids. Yes. I mean, Oh yeah. my gosh. Anyway, so many sorry. Things. Yes. I, I, I went on a, a, a tangent there, but I think it's important to say, because I, I don't want to over glorify. Um, and I don't ever want to come off saying, sounding like it's prosperity gospel, because that's not it. But I also very much believe that God is so intentional about when he calls you to do something. And sometimes like he may call you to close that business. Sometimes he may call yep. you to do And it, it, at the time you're like, why, why am I doing this? But here you were walking in obedience and in a time where it was just like the world was falling apart and your business grew. And I think what you're talking about is so important because really like I got on my knees on, on March 13th of 2020. And I said, well, we just lost every stream of revenue, God. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And I did not say, I need to fight for this business. And what do you, you know, and you need to save it. I got on my knees and said, what do you want me to do? Mm. Because I would have in that moment been obedient to Holly, walk away, make it a solopreneur, hashtag mom, boss, whatever, like, you know, make it a side hustle, make it small. Like I would have been, or close it. I would have been obedient to whatever he asked. But what he asked of me was don't, fire one person, don't fire one woman, keep every single woman employed and watch me provide. Mm. And that was, that was it. And I was like, all right. And so our job as I think as followers of Christ is just to listen and be obedient to what he's asking of us. Because had he asked me to, to make it smaller, to, to shut the doors, to, to, to say, thank you for what it had been and let it go and let it go. I would have been obedient to that. Mm. And he would have blessed that. Right. I think it's important to remember that what he blesses is our obedience and our risk in that. Mm. And it was a massive risk, right? It was like, you know, to take a leap like that and keep everyone on payroll when I didn't know when the next dollar was coming in felt reckless. It really did. It felt Mm. irresponsible. It felt reckless. It felt insane. And yet I got to watch him provide because he asked it of me. 
And I was able to hold on to God asked me to do this. He told me not to fire one woman. I don't know where the payroll is going to come from. I don't know how it's going to work, but he told me. And so I think that's the most important part is not, and my husband and I joke about this all the time where it's like, oh, I guess he removed his hand of favor. Like, cause you know, Christians will talk about that. It's oh, like, oh yeah, hand of favors on you. And it's like, well, what happens when it's not the, did he remove his hand of favor? No, his hand of favor is on you. If you are in Christ, mm. he works all things together for good for those who are in him and called according to his purposes. So our job is just to listen, just to listen to what is he asking you to do? What is the risk he's asking you to take? And then trust that he's going to provide for you. And it's, it has nothing to do with that favor, like we were talking mm-hmm. about, right? Because that idea could easily go like, okay, if I have a bad month, did he remove his hand of favor? And then is that, what is that? So yeah, I think it's just about that obedience and, and, and knowing what he's calling you into. Mm, so good. We have a church up in here on the podcast today, Holly. We're having it's because we're both worship leaders. It is because it is, it is, it is. Oh man, but that's yeah, that's so good. Well, I mean, I just to see, yeah. <laughs> Did he remove his hand of favor? No, we joke about that all the time. It's like, uh, of course not, of course not, of oh, course. Not. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for saying that. Well, it's just like I said, it has been a joy um, from afar to watch you grow and to see all that has happened in the last, you know, three and a half-ish years. It's incredible. And, um, you know, to see the lives that are being changed and how you are growing this business in just such a powerful way is, is amazing. Thank you. It's been an honor to watch it myself and just to stand back and see what, what God can do with, a, with my little surrender and my little yes. I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Holly to thank our other partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. Are you ready to ditch the bleach forever, but you just cannot find a bleach alternative that actually works? Well, you have got to try the extra strength oxygen powder by Mama Suds. My dear friend, Michelle Smith, who is the founder of Mama Suds, is a genius, and she has developed all of these household cleaning products that are plant-based, totally natural, safe, and effective. Like, they actually work. This Extra Strength Oxygen Powder is her newest product and I've been using it for months and I love it. As you know, here on the farm, our stuff gets dirty. Our clothes are getting dirty. We're sweating when we're working outside. We're in the garden, we're in the chicken coop, kids are playing outside and let's just be honest, the clothes need to get clean. I love this stuff. And because again, Michelle is a genius, there are multiple uses for the product. So it's not only a laundry booster and a stain remover, but it also works as a scouring agent on any non-porous surface. So good. Use the coupon code MOLLY and that gets you an extra 15% off your purchase at mamasuds.com. That's M-A-M-A-S-U-D-S.com. Use the coupon code MOLLY and get you some effective plant-based cleaning products that totally work. Now back to my chat with Holly. Okay. So for, uh, obviously we could talk about this kind of stuff all day long. Um, and I love it, uh, for the listeners, I will have, um, how you can shop sanctuary project in the show notes. Um, I will connect you with Holly in the show notes. Uh, but Holly, what is the best way? Like if somebody is like, I want to, you know, I want to get myself some of this good jewelry, um, which is just beautiful by the way. And I just, I'm like, I was may or may not have been like internet stalking earlier today. And I was like, Ooh, I really like that coin medallion necklace. Oh, we can hook you up. We can get you some coin medallions. I'm just saying, I really like that. I would look good in that. Um, So if somebody uh, is interested and and they want to shop, what is the best way? Like as you as a business owner, what do you want them to do? Go to sanctuaryproject.com and you can shop everything there. Um, You can also sponsor a survivor. We're a a nonprofit 501c3. So if this is a, a cause you're passionate about, if employment for survivors is something that you feel called to to partnering on. You can sponsor a survivor there and you can shop our whole line there. Mm, and it is good, y'all. It's good. And if you're a gentleman listening to the show, I do have a gentleman that listen. Uh, you can get your, you know, get something for your girl, you know, maybe a little earn yourself a little, a little boost. <laughs> Girls like jewelry. I'm let's just be saying, real. I'm j- let's just be honest. All I right. never met a, I met, never met a woman who doesn't. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, it, you know, just, I know you can't see me right now, but I'm nudging you and I'm giving you a little wink, I'm giving you a little wink. 
<laughs> um, okay, Holly, uh, what is on the horizon for you here in the kind of last half of 2021 and into 2022? I'm excited about the holidays. We have a couple new releases coming out. So make sure you're following Sanctuary Project on Instagram, you know, subscribe to our website so you can see new products that are coming out. Um, Yeah, we're just, um, you know, this is so much of what we're doing now is like we're in dream territory. Mm -hmm. This is, this is incredible what we get to do. And so we're going to have some expanded stained glass collection coming, which I'm really excited about and an alabaster collection. That's all about worshiping. So um, yeah, make sure you're subscribed and following for all of that. I love it. Okay. Uh, Holly, this is the portion of the show where we transition just a little bit to get to know Are we going to talk about chickens? And we're going to talk about chickens because Yay, um, the we're, chicken, we're chicken just going to talk about it. Okay. So, all right. I need to know. That was my transition music. I love it. I love it. This makes me so happy. Okay. So, um, and I, just have absolutely zero shame about any of this because it just makes me really excited and happy. So you, why start a farm? When did, where did the idea for that come from? Tell me about your farm. Okay. So we moved from Paris, France to Austin, Texas in 2017. Casual. Mm -hmm. Right after we got married. And as one does, as one does. Right. (laughs) Um, And I lived in Paris for four years before moving to Austin. And we, the first time we went to the grocery store, I was like, okay, we need goat cheese. And I went to buy the goat cheese and it was $15.99, $15.99 for a thing of goat cheese. Now I'm moving from Paris, France, where goat cheese is no more than like two euros. I mean, cheese in France is extremely affordable. Cheese, wine, all those things, bread, everything. Like, I mean, it's just different there, right? Like foods are different and prices are different. And so I'm used to spending $2 on on my goat cheese. And I, at this point had a pretty, you know, hefty goat cheese habit. Right. And all of a sudden goat cheese is $15.99. And I was like, I can't afford this. I cannot afford this goat cheese lifestyle. And so my husband and I started joking, like we need to get a goat and start making our own goat cheese. And at this point we were living in like the suburbs in an HOA house and there was no <laughs> chance of us getting a goat. And so it just became this joke, right? We were like, one day, one day we're going to have goats. We're going to make our own goat cheese. We're going to start saving money on our goat cheese habit. Well, fast forward after we were living there a little while, we started exploring more of Austin and the, the hill country and really started realizing that our favorite part of Austin was the hill country and was like out, you know, out the outskirts of the city where there was land and where there was space. Um, It also turned out that like a suburban HOA life was not for me. I'd only ever lived in cities. Long story short, I encountered like blatant racism that I'd Mm. never encountered before. And that was really heartbreaking. And I was like, I'm out. I can't do this. And so we started looking for land and we, um, and we ended up finding this beautiful piece of land and, um, and the plan was always just to get goats and to make goat cheese. And so it all was birthed from really just like how expensive goat cheese was in America. And now today we have several goats and we've never milked them. They've had babies and we've never <laughs> milked them because we're, because I had babies like around the same time my oh Nancy gosh. Reagan, my first goat had a baby. And I was like, I don't want to take her milk. Like I know how valuable that stuff is. There was no way I was going to get in there and steal her milk, you know, because like if you've been a mom and you've breastfed, like your milk is liquid gold. Seriously, like if my husband splashed the tiniest bit of the counter, I was like, I got violent, you know, Mm -hmm. and so there was no way there was no way I was going to take their milk. So we've never made goat cheese. But all of that, this is how this all came about. (laughs) That is the best story because uh, we we don't have goats yet, but I want goats and we joke about making goat cheese. And I'm like, but that also seems like a lot of work. Like that's just totally (laughs) it's a lot of work. And then you're stealing their milk. And so what do you what do you do that? You just have your goats like for fun. Are they just lawn ornaments? There are pets. Yeah, I there are it. friends. This there are the friends. Best. And they like eat brush and stuff, you know? Yeah, they yeah. eat everything. They eat- They're just our friends. They're so sweet. And we named them all after the presidents and first ladies. So we have like Theodore Roosevelt, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, Nancy Reagan, Calvin Coolidge, Rutherford B. Hayes, Lady Bird Johnson. Everyone's a, everyone's a president or a first lady. Okay. So I, I, I should have like written this down. Not that I would have known to do this. Um, but we've been, you know, because we don't have goats yet, but we are going to get goats. And we we want to name our goats after Supreme Court justices. <laughs> We're soulmates, Molly. This so, is hilarious. So I love we this. already have names picked out for goats we don't even have yet. Like, so we want to have like Ruth Bader Goatsburg. Of course. And uh, Neil Goatsitch. And like, yes. <laughs> of course. So, of course my, you are. My husband loves presidential history like he's fascinated Mm. by it I mean he's a financial advisor but like he he was the kid who like at the age of seven could like 
name all of the presidents in order and their vice presidents. Like he's just like, he's brilliant. He's really, really smart. And he just loved, but he's fascinated by presidents and presidential stories. So he was also like, we could do Supreme Court justices for goats and like presidents for cows. The fact that you have your name, your goats named after presidents and first ladies is just like confirmation that we are meant to be friends. Like it's just guys, listeners, we did not plan this. You saw this here first. You you get to be witness to the moment that Molly oh and Holly found their forever friendship. Okay, no, I'm literally the same way as your husband. Like, I'm kind of a geek about like history and stuff. And so we've actually named them according to their personalities as well. Like Calvin Coolidge was like this weird introverted president. No one understood. And that's the way our goat Calvin Coolidge is. And then like Woodrow Wilson was born during the pandemic. And I was like, who was president during Spanish influenza? Woodrow Wilson. Perfect. So like they all have. And then like Nancy Reagan is like, she's Nancy Reagan, you know, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, so elegant. She's just a lady, you know, like she carries herself with such dignity. Teddy Roosevelt was like, he's our best friend. He's literally, my husband loves him more than me. I'm hundred percent sure. Of it. But like who Ruth- didn't love Teddy Roosevelt? Tell me you know? about Rutherford B. Hayes. So Rutherford B. Hayes is a gentleman. He's definitely like, he's, um, he's stoic and he's like gentlemanly and he's beautiful. I mean, he is like, he's a stunning specimen. And so, yeah, I mean, he just like, it was like, we just knew like when we saw him, we were like, he's Rutherford B. Hayes. This is the greatest. Oh my God. Lady Bird Johnson. We named her because she was obsessed with the wildflowers. She was eating all the wildflowers and that was like Lady Bird Johnson's big thing. And oh so she was born in the spring in Austin, which is full of wild flowers. So she was like wildflower girl. So that's how she got her name. This is just the greatest thing ever. I, oh my gosh, this is probably my favorite get to know you round I've ever done in my life. It's just, <laughs> oh my gosh, Holly, I love it so much. Okay. And so then you also have cows. Uh, so like, when did you, I realized that like, did you have chickens first? Was that the gateway to goats or did you get goats first? And then like, you were just like, we should get a cow. It always starts with chickens. Yeah. I mean, it's chickens are a gateway drug. Yeah. It always starts with chickens. You think you're just going to have chickens. We always knew we were going to get goats, but like we definitely started with chickens. So we started with silky chickens. We used to name all our chickens with M names, but then uh, we realized like you can't name chickens because no, they just die. They die. Often. Yeah. It's really sad. Um, so we don't name our chickens anymore. But yeah, so it started with chickens. We have silky chickens, which are like the furry ones that look like they're wearing pajamas. They're hilarious. And um, or they look like old timey saloon girls. And so we have a whole boom chicka town town where it's just a chicken village that has like a saloon and a jail and a church and an old like an old sort of ford car the thing best. a chicken coop that's like an old-timey car oh my gosh. and uh and yeah so boom chicka town town is a little old western village that um that the chickens that the chickens all roam this is here the best thing do you free range them at all or do they just stay in boom chicka town town they stay in boom chicka town town but yeah. it's quite a large town i mean they have they have space to run it's yeah it, it stretches the length of our barn. So they have, they have a good amount of space. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Uh, I love it so much. Okay. Then what, when did cows happen? So cows, we, <laughs> Molly and I were talking about this before we started recording. Cause the way we choose our animals is like, imagine if you gave a seven-year-old money and then they like had access <laughs> to the internet and they were like, that's fuzzy. I want to buy it. That's like exactly how our cows happen. <laughs> we came across Scottish Highland cows and they're like fuzziness. I love they're just them. Like, yes. Yeah, and they have so like the big fuzzy. horns. Big horns, fuzzy, wuzzy, wuzzy, woolly bullies. Oh my and so gosh. I, we just, we started seeing pictures of them and we were like, need, must have owned by, by them now. <laughs> and so we, so we bought three cows last January. So those are, they're, they're our kind of, they're our biggest animal and they are named after old timey movie stars. So we have Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers and Greta Garbo. Oh my gosh, that's the best. And is that same thing? They're just pets. They're just hanging out. They're just pets. Yeah. They're just our fuzzy friends. I mean, we just like to look at them. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. it just feels, it's like, for me, this is like the still waters and green pastures part of my life. Cause the work I do is hard. You know, I'm yeah. working in trafficking. It's like, there's a lot of trauma. Everyone I employ, I employ is trauma survivors. So there's like drama and there's just life is hard. Right. And I'm yeah. running a business and that's hard. And so this is really my respite to come mm-hmm. home to fuzzy animals that are just adorable and just fill our pasture with joy. And then we have two great Pyrenees, the Paw Patrol, Chase and Everest. Yeah. My nephew named them the Paw Patrol because he was like, wait, they like guard the pasture like Paw Patrol. We were like, exactly. Oh, so, I love it. Yeah. Oh my That's gosh. A little farm family. How like, okay, just, I, I need to know this. This is a very selfish question. What is your, like, how long do you, do you spend each morning doing like farm chores? Like, are you getting up at five and doing farm chores or is it like 20, 30 minutes? 
Everyone's pretty self-sufficient. It's really yeah. 20, 30 minutes. I mean, we keep hay out on the pasture, but they also graze. And then we really just have to feed the dogs and like feed the chickens every couple of days. So there's not a lot. I mean, we've kind of built, we built everything so that it was really self-sufficient out there. So they have water that auto refills. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, my husband goes out there every night and hangs out with them for like you were saying, 20 or 30 minutes and feeds the dogs and makes sure everyone has everything they need and just checks on everybody. But we've really built it so that they're all pretty self-sufficient because oh, we both good. work full-time. So we don't really have, we don't have a lot of time to like, yeah. you know, do a lot of farm chores, yeah. but that's part of the reason we've never milked the goats or created goat yeah. cheese. Cause it's like, Oh, that would be hard. Yeah. It's a lot of work. I mean, like we, yeah. so we, you know, cause one of our goals with, with ours is to be, you know, relatively self-sufficient. And so like we're raising turkeys because um, they're awesome, but also they're going to be delicious at Thanksgiving and Christmas. So you're um, going like, to eat your friends? We are going to eat our turkeys. Oh my gosh, I know, guys, how sorry. Oh, I know. And somebody listening is probably going to send me an email and I'm going to be mad. Um, oh, for sure. You're going to yeah. get harassed. So we'll hear, okay. Step and off cyber bullies. Y'all real quick, just hear me out. So, I mean, one of the whole reasons that I do this podcast is because I'm really passionate about ethics and sustainability. And one of the things that I have found over the years is how unethical and unsustainable our food system is. And that is yes. a whole nother conversation for another Amen. day. But one of the things that we have talked about, because our kids like, you know, at first have been like, wait a second, we're going to eat these turkeys. And we're just like, well, we eat turkey every year at Thanksgiving. And that turkey probably never saw grass never saw sunshine, um, yeah. never uh, got to play with other turkey friends, never got to uh, roost up in a tree at night, never like that turkey lived a not super great life for us to yeah. eat it. So if we're not going to stop eating turkey, like I'm not going to become a vegetarian or a vegan. I like meat too much. Like if you're a vegetarian or a vegan for ethic reasons, more power to you. I 100% like respect that decision. That is not going to be us. Like yeah. I love beef too much. I love chicken too much. I love turkey too much. Like I'm going to eat it. So I would rather know that the turkey that I'm eating, one, I'm going to respect it and like honor it and uh, give it literally the best life ever. Our turkeys are yeah. living their best lives. Like they are so happy. They just go out. So, like we, they sleep in their little thing at night and then they come out, we let them out in the morning and they are just right now, I can see them out my window. They're just grazing on the grass and eating bugs. And I take watermelon out there to them and they are just happy as can be. And you know, when it comes time and maybe I'll change my tune after like November, cause this is our first time doing this. But I think also having the mentality of like understanding the way, the way that God created animals and, and plants for us to steward over, um, just gives me a greater respect for his creation. And so, yeah. um, you know, I think at, when we sit down for Thanksgiving dinner, which I cook Thanksgiving dinner, like I'm going to have a lot of pride in that meal. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And also, and if you feel the sacrifice, you feel the right. cost of your of your food as well. Because I think yeah. we, you know, we go to the store, we buy food, we don't think about the cost, we don't think about that turkey's life. Where when you have actually walked through that turkey's life, you feel the cost, right? Yep. That that um, that God created this ecosystem with sacrifice as a part of it. And that animals have sacrificed their lives for us to live. Right. And, and it's uh, that principle of sacrifice that we forget about in yeah. our modern society that, that humans lived with for generations and generations before us. Right. Yeah. I mean, like our, we're not that far removed from it. Like most of our grandparents right. and great grandparents, like this is what you do. Like my father-in-law was telling me the other day, like he came home one day, he had a pet duck cause we just got baby ducks and he, he had a pet duck when he was a kid. And, uh, his, I guess his dad had got tired of the duck and just like he came home from school and the dad's like plucking the duck and they had duck, duck for dinner. Orange. Like and duck, 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 <laughs> duck confit for dinner. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's like, that's just, that was what they did. It was just, it mm -hmm. wasn't that weird. So we're not that far removed from that. So I think, you know, a big motivation for us is also just to, to educate our kids. And, you know, again, if they, if they grow up and choose not to eat meat, that's their their choice. But for us, we want them to be like, no, no, no. Like the chicken nuggets that you eat at Chick-fil-A, like a chicken came, like a chicken gave their lives for that. Yeah. Um, and so that's not to say that we're going to stop eating 
Chick-fil-A, but, you know, it gives us that much more appreciation for um, our own food. And, and anyway, so that was that was a different random tangent. Um, we do okay. need to start a chicken podcast. We really do. We really do. It could, you know, it's a whole thing. Um, okay. Uh, let me ask you a couple other non-chicken cow farm related questions. Um, what is something, obviously you, you shared with us that you are a worship leader. Um, there's a lot, your, your life has been very rich and interesting. What's something that I would just never guess about you? I feel like I've like shared so much of my life publicly (laughs) that it's like, I mean, the kinds of things that, that people would never guess about me or that I was homeless or that I was a shoe shiner. I was a nineties rave DJ for a bit. Ooh, that is interesting. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I grew up in San Francisco nineties rave culture and, and learned to spin records high on meth and got pretty good at it. I was actually like pretty good at it. Right. I was a musician. And so there was a lot, it's very musical and And so I got good at it quite quickly and um, spun a few parties. And then I actually trained a DJ that ended up like going on to be very, very successful and was like one of the best DJs in California for a long time. So I guess that's, that's random, right? That's a great answer. I love it. I would definitely not picture you as a nineties rave DJ. So thank you. uh, I I don't know. Wait, is that a compliment? Yeah, it is totally a compliment. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Because if you were to be like, what are some jobs that I had in my life? (laughs) Nineties rave DJ is pretty low. (laughs) on my list of guesses. Um, okay. Uh, is there a kid's movie that you watched growing up that like completely scarred you? Bambi. Bambi. I know. Why did they do that? Why Why did she die? Why? 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 You know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. And then my last question, this is the question I ask all my guests and that is, uh, Holly, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? I think the the biggest thing is that I'm thinking about purpose before I'm thinking about business. Mm. I had a big meeting with some consultants this week and they were trying to like talk to me about scalability and blah, 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 profits, blah, blah, blah. And the whole time I'm just thinking, that's not why I'm doing this. I am literally not motivated by that. I am motivated by something altogether different. And, and so for me, it's about putting that purpose before the business. It's about putting that purpose before the bottom line. It's about saying, I'm going to make sure to keep this month light because I know that this key staff member is going through a lot right now. Mm. Um, it's about making decisions for the comfort and peace of my staff and my employees yeah. and our mission above and beyond uh, what would be a wise business decision. Mm. And so I think it's about it's about purpose and, and putting purpose before business. Mm. That's so good. That's so, so good. Holly, you are a gift. You are a joy uh, to be around. We are clearly, like I said, just uh, meant to be friends. Um, But you really are uh, somebody who I just, I admire so much for the work that you do, your passion, and the rad life that you live. Um, It's just incredible. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing uh, all about your passions and uh, for the work that you do. Thanks for having me. This was such a joy. Friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. Find me on social media. I'm at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast when you're sharing the show with a friend. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs, business owners, community leaders who are changing the world. If you are a regular listener of the show, thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, basically wherever you get your podcasts, click that subscribe or follow button. To click that button means you will never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to just leave a review? Would you take a moment to maybe share one of your favorite episodes with a friend? Leaving a review, sharing the show with a friend, it is totally free for you and it is the biggest help for me in the entire world. You have no idea how much I appreciate it. It just also helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. As always, this show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.